When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I managed to plug Amber and Ian numerous times this morning on SEC Network. I saw James Steele just just do a little fist pump, celebrate when you heard the plug. It's a beautiful thing. I counted. Been proud. I believe I counted yeah. three for three. sure. Yeah, there was three. three for sure. Yeah, I slid three. Good in job there. out of you. Got him in there. Uh, that's how you do it. Amber and Ian is presented to you by Progressive Insurance. Find him at Ian Fitz ESPN. You can find me as well at Amber W Sports. So you heard it there. Ian allowed me to be part of his crew for the Florida Tennessee game. And boy, was it fun. It was, I mean, it just lit up this Gator girl's heart because I went up there to meet you in the swamp, not expecting much at all. I mean, I, I, they were coming off of a good win against McNeese state, but come on, it was McNeese state. I mean, we saw what it looked like. Right. I mean, we looked, we saw what it looked like though against Utah. I wasn't sure that I believed that they could get right because it was so sloppy Ian against Utah. And then they dominated against Tennessee and it was such a great performance on both sides of the ball. It was a great performance by the crowd. It was the loudest I've heard the swamp in years. It was deafening. Like I said, on that intro on that field. Yeah, I mean it was it was awesome. And by the way, you you we we put you to work and uh, and you delivered. I mean, you run Ian Fitzsimmons runs or walks like five miles per game. I would say there was not we did not like there was hardly a time. The only time we ever sat down was for I think like thirty seconds and a half. We there was no sitting down, there was no stopping, and he just runs up and down both sidelines the entire game. I I, I can't help it. That's the yeah. only way I know how to call a game. It's, I've done it for 16, 17 years that way, and it's the only way I know how. But um, what, 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 before we get into the game and everything and, and, a, and a big weekend in college football, what stood out to you as far as – I think that was the first time you've been down there for an entire game, right? Right. As far as on well, the field. Well, no, I mean, I, I mean, years ago. It's the first time in years okay. I've, been, I've been down there for an entire game. The, bi- the biggest thing that I get from people that, I, that haven't been down there a lot is the speed of the game. And mm-hmm. when you rip a quarterback, right? You're like, well, when you're when you're up top, you know, or you're looking at the all twenty two, you're like, how do you miss that guy? Like Justin Fields, how how do you miss that guy? Open in the middle of the field, right? You know, and you had five seconds to, to find him, and you couldn't. And you get down there, and it's like, okay, now I get it, right? I mean, it, me, it's it's a whole different world in the speed, especially in the NFL. The speed ramps up one hundred fold compared to even college. But with, you saw a hard hit and paint swap in football game. Yeah, with NFL, it's the speed of the game. Absolutely. It's the athleticism and the speed of the game. In college, it's the noise. It's the environment. Yeah. There was a reason that Tennessee was penalized so many times, and they seemed completely discombobulated. And I got it because you and I could hardly hear each other standing next to each other talking, nevertheless screaming out plays. I mean, there is just no way to communicate when it is that loud. And it's hard to even, in your own mind, it's hard to even think with that level of noise. And that's what you saw Milton out there struggling with and that Tennessee team out there struggling with. It's why they haven't won in the Swamp in 20 years. And the Swamp is not always like that anymore, unfortunately, because it hasn't been the most elite Gators teams here that we've seen over the last decade. That was Billy Napier's best and biggest win. That was, I would imagine, the 
biggest environment he's been in. I mean, that rivalry is very yeah. real, and it was it was absolutely deafening. So that's what always stands out to me, being and, on those fields in college. I, I think that was one where Billy Napier didn't have to have that win, but he really needed that win, yeah. and his players really needed that win, and they got it and delivered big time. They were the more physical football team. And look, Tennessee was without their starting say, uh, say, uh, center mm-hmm. in Cooper Mays, who's going to, he's a, probably at, at worst a day two pick at the next level in the NFL. And then Ollie Neal, the backup center, he gets hurt. So now you're bringing a swing tackle in who's, who's never played center before. When he's snapping it, it looks like a, a cabbage ball pitch going back to Joe Milton. I felt badly for Milton because when you're on your third center, you got problems. Now Ollie Neal came back in and, and gave it a good fight, but. I mean, it's Florida just dominated that game. And then that's where we get to what is now one of the top headlines in sports tonight is the suspensions that have come down for the fight at the end of the game. And I put this fight squarely at the feet of Josh Heupel, head coach of the Tennessee Volunteers. Why you call a timeout down 13 with four seconds to go after you just got an unsportsmanlike penalty hit on Florida quarterback Graham Mertz, who, by the way, should have just thrown the ball about you know as far as he can into the stands with four seconds to go, and that runs the clock out, and we're and we're, we're done, we're over. But the Tennessee guys, they, their whole team was in the locker room after this brouhaha happened uh, because Hypo calls a timeout. Next thing you know, you got punches being thrown, you got three Gators suspended, you got one Tennessee Volunteer suspended. And all of this could have been avoided. And I got several text messages because I'm on the floor. I'm, I'm in the middle of the bench. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're standing right there. We're, uh, Graham Mertz is like, you want to knock this out now? I'm like, dude, we, we got time left. We're, we're still playing football. And he says, quote, well, if this doesn't floor, uh, sum up Florida, Tennessee, I don't know what does. They had to go into the Tennessee locker room, get, get enough players to come back out I know. to snap the football. And all of this would have been avoided if Josh Heupel doesn't call a very petty timeout where he said, and I quote, I was trying to get the ball back to go score. To do what? Pad stats? You're not, you're not going to score 13 points in four seconds. It's impossible. So when I, got, when I have coaches randomly texting me during that, that whole melee, this was almost they, – they avoided having a big black eye in college football because that – could have escalated so much grander and bigger and worse than just four total players being suspended, Amber, if the Florida coaching staff and the Tennessee coaching staff, not named Heifel, aren't out there making sure their guys don't make it even worse. That could have been so much worse, all because of one timeout. You have three Florida players suspended, two O-linemen, one tight end. You have a Tennessee D-lineman suspended from that brouhaha. A real quick right now in the Cleveland Browns game, Nick Chubb being carted off the field. Looks like a nasty knee injury. So that is very, very bad news for the Cleveland Browns. Looked like like, uh, he got like a helmet to, to the knee and it just, it bent the wrong way and they tried to help him up. His teammate tried to, you know, help him up off the ground. He was like, nope. Uh, and he stayed on the ground. And the cart came out to get him. So it didn't yeah. look good for him. Yeah. In the uh, tunnel, 10 carries, yeah. Hell of a game. Ten carries yeah. for 64 yards. Yeah. Uh, seven, seven, three right now. Uh, the Steelers lead the way in that, in that game. Saints still up on the Panthers six to three. At least I think if those scores are right, you guys tell me because your televisions uh, are 25 the, minutes. The, ahead Bra- of mine. the Browns just scored a touchdown. So it's 13, three. Uh, we're waiting for the extra point. 
Are you are you or, serious? Sorry, ten ten to. It's nine oh, to seven. Oh, now I see it. Yeah, nine they just seven, scored it. Hold on, let point. me tell you. If, okay, they scored. They scored. Ten All to right, seven. James actually broke in while you were talking, Ian, and told me about the Nick Chubb injury, and my television was still in commercial break. So as he was seeing Nick, Nick Chubb being carted off the field. Well, I feel for Chubb uh, because so, I'm almost positive. like He's on the last year of his contract. Uh, yeah, I would have to look that up, but obviously that is – I mean, listen, that, that Browns team needs him. That is a huge loss. Uh, for the Browns, and it looks real bad. No, they were up to. Never mind. I'm, I'm, did I'm they? Off. Okay, I was going to say. I thought that they did. Yeah. Um, in terms of that Gators brouhaha, though, going back real quick, I will say this because I agree with you that it was an incredibly petty timeout by Tennessee, and certainly these two teams are rivals. I mean, you're talking about whatever that lead was, 26-7, 26-7 lead at the half for the Gators. I mean, Tennessee's going to be very frustrated all game long. Emotions are going to be running high. Then you hit the quarterback late. Then that's going to turn into a brawl on any college field. We know how these things work, and it's a stupid thing. It's a stupid situation to put your players in, particularly at that level when emotions run so high. However... There was nine seconds left, and I thought Billy Napier also didn't do his team a service there either because you have to have a slightly different different play call. You can't go victory formation with nine seconds left and let him just kind of try to run it out a little bit and then steal Neil. You're going to have to throw it to the sidelines or try to get rid of it or something. You've got to waste more time off the clock than they did. And that's why you saw the Tennessee players play all the way up until the end of the clock. So I, I thought both coaching staffs, frankly, did a pretty poor job in that situation. Now it's the players, though, uh, that are, are going to be punished for it. Three Florida Gators and one Tennessee. Tennessee Volunteers suspended now because of that fight. The Browns are up on the Steelers 11-7. to There was a penalty on Pittsburgh during the extra point. The Browns went for two. After accepting the penalty, they converted that two-point conversion. Coming up next here on Amber and Ian, are we on a Cowboys-Dolphins Super Bowl collision course? Oh, please let it be. ESPN Radio is on the ESPN app. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. They're not showing the replay of the Nick Chubb injury on the broadcast because it is apparently that gruesome. So, Nick Chubb carted off the field uh, with an obvious knee injury. Very, very bad Ugh. news for the Cleveland Browns. I, I, like, I saw it when it happened, and I almost threw up. 
our associate producer Rachel just went back and watched it. Yeah, it's not and, good. And she can she's got a stronger. It, it was bad disposition was than bad. I have. And, and why uh, you watched it, Rachel? I don't. I don't. I, she, I you know, missed I'm just it not the first time because I was watching the Panthers game, and then I turned and I saw the injury had happened, so I needed to go see it. I'm and good. Ian told me it was bad, so I was like, "Why not watch it?" So now I really have to see it. Exactly. Yeah, no, see, I'm I'm good. I'm I'm like, miss me with all that. I, I'm, I'm not one of those people that like needs to, you know. I missed it because I'm doing a radio show, and uh, apparently Ian also doing a radio show, but he caught it because he's not paying attention uh, to the radio show that we're doing. But I miss it. However, <laughs> I'm not going to go back and watch it. I'm good. Yeah, it's, I, it's fine. Rachel clearly Just has a stronger disposition and, and a stronger stomach than I do because there was no way in hell I was going to go back and watch that thing. It was bad enough live. You know what yeah. I would go back and watch? The Miami Dolphins and the Dallas Cowboys. Segway. And both, both of the performances that those two teams have put up through the first two weeks of the season. Pat McAfee of the Pat McAfee Show was, of course, on the Pat McAfee Show today, and he talked about both of those teams. If the Super Bowl is on Wednesday, I think it's clear cut two teams are battling. Miami Dolphins taking on Dallas Cowboys. Whoa. I mean, these two teams are at the top of their conferences, and it has to be a blast to be their fans because for a long time, one side of the coin, this team stinks. Remember, just a couple years ago, it was being alleged that the owner was telling the coach, I'll give you more money, you lose. We didn't make this report up. We're just telling you that was being alleged. Then all of a sudden, they go all in. They find two as this gem. McDaniel, who's the most chill coach in the history of the NFL, him racing against the cameraman at halftime after doing an interview is maybe the greatest display of swagger, confidence and moxie i've ever seen you're in foxborough taking on an absolute legend in bill belichick you're up 17-3 and what are you doing you're actually messing with a cameraman knowing that you got it figured out could you imagine being that comfortable you know how much work has to get to the point that you're that comfortable especially taking on bill belichick and that confident good for them and what they have on the field is going to be tough to be duplicated if you haven't seen it, Mike McDaniel racing the camera crew. Uh, so Greatness. funny into the tunnel at halftime in that win over the Patriots. But Bill Belichick still did Bill Belichick things. I mean, he took away what the Dolphins do best. He shut down Tyreek Hill. You know how hard it is to shut down that guy with all of that speed. Bill Belichick managed to do it. So it's not like the Patriots defensively were bad. It's just that Mike McDaniel appears to be a head coach that is turning himself into a genius here, as people call Bill Belichick that every time Bill Belichick zigged Mike McDaniel zag. Like he had an answer for all of it from a schematic perspective. You see Tua in that scheme now with some continuity in the coaching staff for once in Tua Tungvaloa's career, and it is paying off. That dude looks phenomenal. The decision-making, the quick release, it's impossible to keep up with if you're an NFL defense. This Dolphins team, and I say it with trepidation because the Dolphins can't have nice things. If you're a Miami Dolphins fan, you get what I'm talking about, but this Dolphins team looks good. Yeah, so does Darius Rucker. He wrote a song about it, right? Dolphins make right. him cry. I mean, I right. get it. Yeah, right. I mean, you're, you're right there with them. Uh, like, it, it, was, it was a masterful job, and that was a great game to watch. I, I thought what Bill Belichick did and came up with to make sure that Tyreek Hill couldn't take the top off his defense was pure just Belichickian, right? I mean, held him to 40 yards, one touchdown, 40 yards off of a 200-yard performance in week one. You hold Tyreek Hill to five catches on nine targets, 40 yards. And to me, with Miami still finding a way to win the game, that was a good thing that Tyreek Hill only had 40 yards for the Miami Dolphins. If you're a Dolphins fan, as you are, Amber, you're thrilled 
that you still found a way to win on the road against a division rival with the Cheetah only having, again, 40 stinking yards. Why? They went, okay, you're going to come out here and over half the defensive snaps for New England, they had at least five DBs out there. Basically going, you're going to have to beat us a different way. And they did. And that, to me, was the most impressive thing with Miami. And his name is Raheem Mostert. 18 carries for a buck 21, nearly seven yards a tote, two tuds. I mean, he was sensational, and as was Mike McDaniel, by going, okay, you're doing that? Well, we're going to zig when you zagged, and we're going to do this. And it, I thought it was a great game, 24-17. I thought Mac Jones played a solid game, not a great game, but a solid game. And that New England defense, they're, they're going to keep them in a, in a lot of games. But bottom line is, Man, this 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 particular group of fish, boy, they're good. And if you take that passing game away, they just showed we'll beat you up. We'll find another way to take you down, and that was very impressive. The only thing that's not good is Jason Sanders. You've got to do better. That kicker is going to cost us a game if he doesn't get it together. You got to do better. You cannot miss multiple field goals. Okay, so that's my criticism there for the Miami Dolphins. Beyond that, though, I say that for you, Ian. You're a special teams kind of guy with your brother out here right now for Carolina coaching special teams. Special teams matters. You got to be sound in the kicking game. Exactly. So there you go. That's the criticism, but that's the only criticism. Otherwise, they looked great. Uh, I thought that what Mike McDaniel was doing schematically with Roheem Mostert, that's what you want to see if you're a Dolphins fan because one of the big criticisms last year was that this Dolphins team does not run the ball. And, hey, Mike, run the ball. You got to run the ball sometimes and give your defense that rest and run the ball and make the defense account for that against you. And he did that. When Bill Belichick took it away, took those explosive receivers away, Jalen Waddell did have 86 yards. But when he took the explosive receivers away, namely Tyreek Hill, then he went to Mostert and relied on the running game. And certainly that was the move. So the Dolphins, a big divisional win. The Dolphins look like the best team in that division, even though Buffalo also a big bounce back win for them this season. And it's funny because, man, we were saying that AFC East, oh, it's going to be the toughest division in football. And boy, did that change four snaps into a game with, with what happened with the Jets, right? So you you go from talking about Mostert and and McDaniel adjusting and being able to run the football. Now go over to the the other game that that McAfee was talking about, the Cowboys just destroying the Jets. They've outscored their opponents 70-10 to in the first two weeks, which is just a staggering number. And they they did it, again, with not just Dak Prescott, but a commitment to running the football. They threw it 38 times. They ran it 37 times. And, you know, and, and Tony Pollard averaged less than three yards a carry, but he had 25 of them. They were committed to running the football. And... (laughs) <laughs> it was impressive. I mean, Dak opened the game with 13 straight completions. They finished 9 of 18 on third down, and, and that's on the offensive side of the ball. Defensively, Micah Parsons, seven quarterback pressures, two sacks, had that ridiculous forced fumble on Dalvin Cook where he recovers it himself. I didn't think he got touched. I thought he got up and went ahead and, and, and housed it. But they ruled him down by contact. But, man, it was I mean, it was, it was beyond impressive to the point where I want to call Zach Wilson's parents to go, I'm sorry. I mean, this is your your little boy is running for his life right now, and in large part because of the play calling that the Jets had offensively. Are we run the sure, damn football? Are we sure Robert Sala is a good head coach? I've been asking this now for the if last Sala, couple of years. I'm are telling we sure? Hackett, we got this guy named Brees Hall who last week was unbelievable. Right. He ran it four times yesterday. Four 
times. Now, in fairness, it's against the Cowboys. So they stuff the box. They take the run away. However, don't care. Uh, and, and also, if I'm defending Nathaniel Hackett here, I would also say he's got an entire playbook that is suited to Aaron Rodgers. And Aaron Rodgers is no longer his quarterback. So there's a lot of adjusting here from New York. But I'm with you. You've got to put Zach Wilson in a better position. And that's why, And again, now I'm Amber Wilson, the Zach Wilson defender, weirdly and oddly, and this is how it works. But they're not doing him any favors here, Ian. And you've no. got to do your guys again, some favors. You go back... Tony Pollard averaged 2.9 yards a carry, but they stayed committed to it. Right. Damn, you got you got to. I mean, you got to run Brees Hall more than four times. You got to run Dalvin Cook more than four times. That made no sense to me, none whatsoever. That's not helping Zach Wilson. It's hurting him. And the Cowboys, I mean, talk about controlling the clock, time oh, of possession, over 42 minutes Ooh. compared to under 18 minutes for the New York Jets. Third down efficiency, you mentioned 9 of 18 there for Dallas, 1 of 10 for New York. Coming up next, what happened at the end of the Florida-Tennessee game? Whose fault was it? We will get back into that. Amber and Ian's on ESPN Radio. There were fireworks at the end of the Tennessee-Florida game, and I don't mean just because me and Ian Fitzsimmons were on the sidelines for that one. ESPN Radio presented to you by Progressive Insurance. Let's bring in some help with all things SEC, ESPN, college football analyst Cole Kublik joining us here on Amber and Ian. And Cole, thanks as always for your time. Let's talk about what happened, how that Gators-Vols game ended. Gators win that one 29-16. The SEC has suspended three Florida players one Tennessee player with the fight that came on the very last play of the game. What did you make of how that thing went down? Yeah, it's unfortunate because I mean, I, I do think I do I do feel like Mark Thomas kind of kind of tried to pull up a little bit. I mean, he did bump the quarterback, which I don't. I, mean, I didn't really feel like it was necessary to kind of roll that far, but either way, I mean, there there were some timeouts that were called. They were a little bit weird at the end of that game too. So I. It's it just it's a heated rivalry. It's a game that means a lot to a lot of people. I can understand why a lot of folks were into it, but you got guys throwing hands and, and squaring up on each other. It, it's just a bad look at the end of the game. So not surprised with the punishment that came. Yeah, I mean, I, I, damn near Josh Heupel, head coach of the Vols, almost deserves a suspension for calling those, those timeouts. I mean, especially four seconds to go. And his, and his explanation at, it didn't make any and, sense, Ian. It didn't make any sense. Yeah, he says, I'm trying to score points, get the ball back. You're down 13 with four seconds to go. So, you know, <laughs> I had, I, I mean, what are we doing? It was, I, it felt petty to me, Cole, and he almost started a brawl by calling that timeout. How did it feel to you? I definitely think that played into it. Um, uh, I, I was I was told that he didn't shake Billy Napier's hand as well. That was from somebody that was on one of the staffs, but I, I wasn't there to see that, so I, I don't know w- what went down there. So, I, 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 it's weird if you got bad blood with Billy Napier, man. Like he's like one of the best dudes, one of the nicest guys you'll be around. And, and I just I don't he he doesn't seem like somebody who really instigates, who, who wants a lot of trouble. He, he's not talking about people publicly. So I, there, there's obviously more going on than we all understand and we all know about. 
Cole Kublik joining us here on Amber and Ian. You can watch him on the SEC network on read and react with Roman Harper every day. So let's talk about Bama here, Cole, because Ty Simpson had 73 yards passing in that win over USF. 17-13, Bama gets the dub, but they do not look like the Alabama team that we are accustomed to watching every year. What do you make of what's going on with the Crimson Tide? They're far from it, Amber, and I, I think it's going to take a lot of work to get back close to it. I don't know if they can get anywhere near where they've been in, in previous years, but uh, you had two quarterbacks that combined for 10 completions. It was just it was a bad day. Now, it's not all on them. It, it, some of it was, um, but you have an offensive line that's leaky. You have a group of running backs that doesn't like to pick up in pass protection, and I think collectively you just have a misunderstanding of how protection operates um, and, and how it's supposed to work as a group. One of the scariest things for me with Alabama, I mean, there are certain things that the defenses, they know now. They have, they have a beat on. Uh, left tackle can't handle speed rush. Right tackle gets beat inside a lot. You give them a lot of movement, they're going to struggle with it, whether it's run game or, or passing the football. Uh, so the book is out in a lot of different ways. But what I'm seeing is a lack of making defenses pay for how they attack you. And there are a lot of things pre-snap that it doesn't feel like they can get to. There's a lot of cushion on a lot of receivers. Uh, there's a lot of off coverage in which you're still running two-man routes deep down the field. And it, just, uh, it seems nonsensical. Uh, now, I don't know who can handle what in that quarterback room. I have no idea. I'm not there. I, I, haven't, I haven't played in front of them and seen what they can or can't check or what they're allowed to check or not. I have no idea. But that's the most important part with this offense moving forward, in my opinion, is when a defense is going to overload one side and come at you or they're going to put too many men in the box for you to be able to run the football, wherever they are weak, you have to be able to attack that. Now, the first portion of that is recognition. You have to know where that is. You have to be able to see it. Uh, the next part would obviously be executing that. So they're, they're just uh, – it, it's, it's not – I guess the good news would be it's not a lot of guys just getting beat in one-on-ones all the time. Um, you know, it's, it's an understanding of how that offense should operate in a lot of different ways. Running backs ran the ball hard when they had the ball. They, 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 they don't seem to do a great job when they don't have the ball. You had a couple tight ends that are great when they catch the ball, but they're not great when they're asked to be physical. Uh, I guess if there's good news, the defense did play well. I mean, I, I, I thought I thought Chris Braswell and Dallas Turner and Malachi Moore and Deontay Lawson all, all played hard, played well, did some good things, held them under 270 total yards. So, um, you would think they lost this game, by the way, the way people are talking about it. I mean, Alabama still is undefeated since they lost to Texas. So um, they do have that going for them. But now Jalen Miller looks like he's going to be back at quarterback, and it's up to Tommy Reese to design a set of plays and put an offense in that he can utilize his skill set to ultimately be successful. And it's not just Bama. I mean, Georgia had to scratch, scratch and claw to beat South Kakalaki, and it came at a price. I mean, you lose one of your best offensive linemen in Mims. Milton and Robinson are now out at running back. I mean, so and the SEC as a whole is, doesn't seem nearly as dominant as they have in the past. As a matter of fact, Cole, would you agree that the Pac-12 right now, the disintegrated, eviscerated Pac-12, is arguably the deepest conference in college football? I don't think there's any doubt, and it starts with quarterback play um, because not a lot of people even know who Jaden DeLar or Cam Ward are, <laughs> and they're big-time quarterbacks in that league. Uh, a lot of folks know, uh, obviously, about Caleb Williams and Bo Nix, and we don't know what the situation is going to look like in Utah, but there are other household names. I mean, Michael Penix Jr. should have been in New York last year, and he looks like he's on his way there this year with what Washington's doing and how they're running through people. But 
Yeah, offensively, it's the it's the best league in college football. There's a good chance it's the deepest league in college football. Uh, unfortunately, a lot of those teams are going to play one another, so there could be a little cannibalism that happens there. But it's been a slow start for the Southeastern Conference. I mean, you, you talk about Georgia, and yeah, you know, they've got they've got a new offensive coordinator, a new quarterback. They don't have the same kind of defensive line that they have. They're already beat up, which is weird considering the schedule that they played. I think it's a little bit odd that you are. You're kind of limping around the way that you are, and, and then you look at the opponents that you've had to face. But either way, I think there are still a lot of parts of that Georgia football team that make them one of the best in the nation. Cole Kublik joining us here on Amber and Ian. So it, you're right. I mean, Georgia gets the win against South Carolina. The first, if the, if the game had ended at halftime, if only it was a half right. of a game, right, for the Gamecocks, but it's not. It's a full game. I think we probably still have Georgia on top of the SEC. Who is the second best team right now, though, in the SEC, Cole? Yeah, it's LSU, and I don't really think this one's close. Harold Perkins back down to the line of scrimmage where he can affect games. You saw Makai Wingo, Mason Smith up front, how dominant they can be against a, a veteran-laced Mississippi State offensive line. Malik Neighbors goes absolutely bananas. I think we now know he can be a takeover guy. You should have probably already known that if you follow college football. And I think they're getting running back situated. Uh, I thought Jaden Daniels did a great job of not feeling like the entire game needed to be on him. Probably why he started 12 for 12 or 13 for 13, whatever he was. So what's the best way to cover up a poor secondary? Have a guy that can get to the quarterback. They seem to have that. Uh, best way to help a quarterback is have guys that can catch the football and guys that can block for him. I mean, Mississippi State didn't get anywhere near him in that game, and that's a that's a pressure-laden defense. So, yes, they lost to Florida State. Uh, Florida State uncovered a couple of things about them that look like they could be a little bit difficult to deal with moving forward, but Florida State's got a good chance to be in the playoff. So, uh, I, I think it's LSU. I don't really think it's close from a talent perspective, from an organizational perspective. Um, and then I guess a little bit by record. I mean, you go to Starkville and get a dominant win. The team that you lose to, pretty we'll say on the road, even though I know it wasn't a true road game, uh, you know, is, is most likely going to end up in the college football playoff. Uh, so, yeah, I, I think it's LSU. And then uh, after that, I'm not even really sure it's worth a guess because there's no telling who it would be. And my, my mind would probably change at 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10 in the SEC uh, every hour at least. All right, you got 30 seconds. We went from zero top 25 matchups to like 78 coming up this weekend. <laughs> if you could go to one, watch one game this weekend of the top 25 matchups we've gotten, it's a loaded slate. Which one would you go watch? Alabama, oh, Ole Miss. Wow. The Not Ohio State, are, Notre Dame. The storylines wow. are endless. The storylines are endless with Lane Kiffin, Nick Saban, Pete Golding, Nick Saban. Uh, what Lane Kiffin is now putting out there about you know, T-Rob and Kevin Steele. Uh, Jackson Dart, that Ole Miss offense, uh, Quinchon Judkins wasn't going to play last week, did play last week. Uh, looks like Trey Harris could be back. Zakari Franklin was going to dress out for Ole Miss last week, maybe try to play a little bit, didn't. He could be back. What's going to happen at Alabama for the quarterback situation? Do they get their offensive line in order? The Ole Miss D-line's a lot better. It just goes on and on and on and on. Chris Doring said on SEC Network this morning that Lane Kiffin was the Deion Sanders of college football before Deion Sanders in terms of sound bites from a head coach. And there's certainly some truth to that. Colorado has a big one this weekend as well. But Mississippi, Alabama, 3.30 p.m. Eastern on Saturday. Cole Kublik, watch him read and react with Roman Harper on the SEC Network. Thanks, Cole. Thank you, guys. 
Ryobi is awesome. This Saturday, make cleanup easy with Ryobi 18-volt, one-plus cordless leaf blower from The Home Depot. Coming up next here on Amber and Ian, Amber and Ian presented to you by Progressive Insurance. We will get you updated on the Monday night doubleheader action. Also, maybe we will check in on Mrs. Fitz, Ian Fitzsimmons' mother, see how she is handling. The New Orleans Saints are up right now on the Carolina Panthers, but man, both of these games Very low-scoring games. Lots of tough sledding in both of these games. So we will get you updated on all of the action. That is next here on ESPN Radio. Tune in to an AL battle tomorrow night as the Astros host the Orioles. Coverage begins at 7.30 p.m. Eastern on ESPN Radio and on the ESPN app. We are in the midst of a doubleheader here on Monday Night Football. And... Right now, the Steelers are up on you. Just can you guys give the scores here? I'm like wi- literally here. The Steelers <laughs> up 16-11. Right? Is that yeah, right? 16-11. Yeah, that far behind us. I yes, have you are that correct. it's five minutes left in the second. And, and I'm guessing that this is not accurate information. No, not There's even close. Yeah, Steelers okay. up sixteen to eleven on the Browns. Uh, Steelers driving right now. I got now. the Steelers score right. Browns in Cleveland. Um, the Saints are up. 13 to 6 on the Panthers. Ha! Have both scores right. Look at that. Look at me with technology. I mean, I'm like 25 minutes behind you guys. You don't have like a phone? Like, I don't don't know what to tell you. Well, I do. I do. Well, so here's the problem I actually have the game on my phone. So what's happening here is I'm streaming from my cable to my phone. And I think that's why it's so far behind. And then I pulled up just the game cast, like on the actual internet, you know? And that's also incredibly far behind from where the actual clock is. So that's why my updates are not nearly as good as y'all's updates. Maybe you need to upgrade your internet. Well, no, what I need to do, what I need to do is I have this man cave in my house that has, I have eight games on yesterday at any given time. I literally had all eight games on in the one o'clock window, which was glorious. I have five televisions, the, the, a huge television in the middle that you can split into four. It's awesome. It's like a whole theater. Well, okay, but like, why am I not in front of it right now? Why am I watching the games on an iPhone, you know, and switch like this is this. I I did not think this one through. I clearly need to either change the location of my studio or bring down some of those TVs into my studio. I would say the latter would be uh, your best bet because that's (laughs) that's what I've got going on in here right now. Uh, But. Right, look, both these games are, are remarkably sloppy yet again. As as when we talked to Herm Edwards earlier, it's like look, the first two weeks in the NFL. I mean, it, he agrees there should not be division games because, or at least not two division games, because it's so sloppy. A lot of these guys don't play in the preseason, and I know they have the inner squad, you know, practices and scrimmages and whatnot, but it's still not the same. And this is just sloppy football. Uh, you know, look at the Steelers; the, the ball's been on the ground almost as many times as it's been completed by both teams. It's just been ugly. It's like a greased pig at a rodeo out there. No, neither team can hold on to the football. And then Carolina and the Saints, they're, they're putting offensive football back, you know, just decades. I mean, is, it is, is Mama hard Fitz to holding watch. up okay? I just called her during the break. You heard her on the speakerphone, and, and she's uh, – there's only two curse words in a 90-second conversation, <laughs> which is remarkable for her. I'm very proud of her. Uh, we are not going to put errors. her on live again because she almost dropped one on us when we had her on uh, to start the show. So, and if you're wondering why, why my mom was on, my brother coaches for Carolina. She is a diehard, and I do mean she refers to the Saints as the Beloveds, right? So, 
Yeah, she's in a tough spot right now. She's not doing very well. Um, I mean, and, they're and again, up. It's just ugly. It's oh, it's awful football. I mean, it really is. And again, it, it's it's the first two weeks, and that's why I, I keep harping on it. I know, but oh, what a move by Bryce Young! Oh my goodness, Magnum! Uh, that's a long run there, down getting close to field goal range with nine minutes to go in the fourth quarter, trailing thirteen to six. Field goal won't do him a damn bit of good. But anyway, um, it's just it's just sloppy. It is, and it's it's at times hard to watch, and both teams have suffered big injuries. If you're just tuning in, Shaq Thompson, outstanding linebacker for Carolina, he got carted off the field with uh, after his leg got rolled up on, and then Nick Chubb, Cleveland Browns, who was having a hell of a game, 10 carries, 64 yards, and uh, I mean, just they had a long of 20. Don't go watch that that injury because it was gruesome, Amber. Absolutely gruesome. He just got popped right on the same knee that he hurt at Georgia when he had complete reconstructive surgery, ACL, PCL, MCL. Uh, it's it's he's going to be done for the year. It's sad because he was having a heck of a night and a heck, and, and a nice start to the 2023 campaign. And he knew it right away. Waved oh, off yeah. his teammate when his teammate comes over to try to help him up. I mean, he knew it. Uh, he wasn't getting up. He wasn't right. going anywhere. Cart comes out. Uh, he's carted off. So it, it seems like Nick Chubb will be done for the year there. A huge loss for that team. Uh, when it comes to the Steelers, also Kenny Pickett looked like he was banged up, right? In this he got one. rocked in his line-throwing shoulder, but I think it was more of a stinger, Amber, because he's back out there, and he had a couple big completions to uh, to George Pickens, who's – or at least one big one. Um, I guess they ruled the other one a non-catch. But he, uh, Pickens, he has the, the 71-yard touchdown catch uh, from Pickett, who's 10 of 19 for a buck 51, one touchdown and a bad INT. Yeah, so that's what's happening in these games. And what's happening in these games, the long and the short of it, is very, very sloppy football. We're all excited to have a doubleheader here on Monday night. ESPN, ABC, they're testing the whole thing. You're flipping back and forth between the doubleheader action. I know some of it was to see, too, like where the traffic goes, and they've been toggling back and forth with which game on which network they start earlier than the other one. Oh, and there's that. a lot of TV and minutiae that goes into that with viewerships and eyeballs and, and viewership habits. And yet, the product that's being put out there on this doubleheader Monday night that is so important to our very own network here at ESPN is, frankly, preseason football-esque. And that's, that's what happens when you don't have your starters really play in the preseason. The preseason is more of a walkthrough and an evaluation of the guys who may not make the roster than anything else. And so now your first couple games of the season feel like preseason football for the guys that were a slam dunk to make the 53. Yeah, and now you're going to see, and I promise you, it happened last year, and, and Herm Edwards talked about this when we had him on earlier. You will see a marked difference in the quality of play from week two to week three. It's, it happens every single year since we've gone to you know so much less contact, which the players collectively bargained for in, in training camp, and then the three preseason games set. You, you see the teams that have played some starters in the preseason, they are ahead of teams that didn't. Bottom line, like Nick Sirianni with the Eagles said he is going to reevaluate how he approaches next year's preseason because of the way his team has started. Even though they're two and zero, he still wants to reevaluate the way he approached it. So that goes when you hear that comment from the NFC champions, that pretty much sums up what we've seen in Week One and what we're seeing right now in Week Two. The thing about it, though, is that 
the players don't want to be out there risking injury. It's one thing when you're Nick Chubb and you get hurt like that in a regular season game. It's a whole nother thing if he went down in preseason game three, right? I mean, that would be a very different conversation. Not that you want to see these sorts of injuries at any point. But what is happening is a lot of the ticky-tacky injuries, a lot of the soft tissue injuries. that your body's not conditioned. Yeah. Right. So they're actually saying that those injuries have increased here yep. over the last few years in the NFL. And also they've increased largely at the very beginning of the season. So you see a lot more ticky tacky injuries. You, you talked there like Kenny Pickett when he got rocked and got up and it looked like a stinger there. He wasn't right for a couple of plays like those sorts of things happen in a way in the regular season that they didn't used to happen because now the guys aren't getting warmed up in the preseason. I don't know if there's an easy answer to it, though, because, again, if you're a player, you're you're certainly don't want to be in a position where you're risking that level of injury in the preseason. I mean, at least with the regular season, you're playing for something, and particularly with these division games that you hate so much 22. early in the season. Yeah, it's but a catch twenty two. And, and if I'm a coach, I'm going to my owner, going, we have to go to Roger Goodell and tell him, all right, you want to have one division game early on, sure, but we can't get down. You know, if we're not ready to go. Because certain guys, we, we, you don't want me to play them, then we can't have two division games to start the season because you don't want to go down 0-2 in division. You got to split them up. So the Saints right now again up on the Panthers, thirteen to six. So Ian's mother getting the best of Ian's brother right now <laughs> in this game. Derek Carr, eighteen of thirty-three, one hundred and seventy-five yards, no touchdowns, an interception. Passing Bryce Young, 14 of 23, 91 yards passing. Um, Ooh, he's been under assault all night. I mean, he, he just, again, has no time. It's been the story of Bryce Young's career there. Uh, just absolutely no time. So we will wish Coach Fitz well, but also Mama <laughs> Fitz, okay? I, we will wish them both well. I know Mama Fitz said that she wants the game to end in a tie, and your brother had to explain to her, like, that's not no, how it works. No, that's no bueno. That's no not, no not going to happen. No. We'll see who wins the battle of the Fitzes. 